What is good? Let's have some fun. It's the Fundamism Podcast with your host, Paul J. Long, and all things fun. We'll let the fun begin. Woo! What is good, Fundamism community, and welcome to the Fundamism Podcast, connecting the workplace and life through fun. I'm your host, Paul J. Long. This is the podcast where we feature guests that are creating a culture of experience, not only in their own life, but in the organizations in which they work for as well. So if you're an organization or an individual looking to have more fun and create experience, well then, hey, this is this is your podcast. So super excited for this week's guest. This gentleman is one of the greatest storytellers I've ever met. Uh, we just had a phenomenal brunch, and uh, he made he made mention of the fact that we could talk about anything for hours and hours on end. So the only struggle in this podcast might be fitting it in in a time frame where you, our listeners, are worthy of tuning in. So. Without further ado, uh, Mr. Greg Vandercreek, how you doing, buddy? Hello, howdy, Paul. Wonderful. So, uh, Greg, we um, we like to create cultures of experience, right? And I'm sure in your travels, which you're going to get to, you've experienced a lot of folks talking about the same old surfacey stuff over and over and over again. Um, in my opinion, that's not how you connect with employees. It's not how you connect with individuals. So, this podcast is not that. We're not talking about the work family or weather. I mean, we're going to get into some of those topics, but we're really going to get into the nitty gritty where we're going to, we're going to share some experiences. We're going to get vulnerable. So you ready to get dirty? Let's go. You ready to turn up? Oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> so let's start. And then a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that brunch was, that brunch was live. Ooh, man. This is good. So first thing that we like to start with in all our guests or with all of our guests is well, what do you do for fun, brother? Man, uh, I like to think everything I do is for fun or it's not really worth doing to me. Um, I just feel uh, very, very lucky and blessed that I'm able to do that from my job um, to my time off uh, to whatever it is. Um, it's it's all fun. There's not many things I can't find a way to enjoy, even the worst things. Mm. Um, I try and find a way to enjoy it, you know, um, embracing it. You know? And uh, so as we get to know Greg a little bit better, um, he's going to showcase some stories that are going to help you understand kind of that philosophy in his life. And and what he just said is the exact reason why he's on uh, this particular podcast. So a mutual friend of ours by the name of Dan Krejci was mm-hmm. talking about you. The great powerful. The, the all and powerful. <laughs> uh, he was talking about this trip that you recently took Yeah. and how, um, you know, how much hiking you had to do and how miserably, you know, all these different experiences that went through that, you know, a lot of folks, they see your travels, and we're going to get into what you do, mm-hmm. um, but they see you all over the world, and they say, oh, man, I wish I could live that life. And to hear you tell the story, man, it, it's not just all rainbows and butterflies, yeah. but to hear Dan tell it, he was saying, you did all of these things, and, you, and you're talking about how, how exhausting it was, and then following all of that, you said, but it was a, it was a phenomenal trip. Yeah. Like, you didn't say anything positive, and then you said, it was a phenomenal trip. Man, uh, you know, uh, to to relate it um, to, as a quick analogy, we'll probably get into it. I was also a professional MMA fighter. Sure. And and one time I got my ass kicked for 15 minutes. 
mm. just from one side of the cage to the other. And my mom couldn't recognize my face. It was such a wreck. But I look at that as one of the best experiences of my life. You know, like I framed it as like, no, this was like, I was tested. It brought the best out in me. And sometimes those tough travels, things getting lost, having no money. I've had cards shut off where everything bounced. I've had my phone go out, uh, you know, just terrible. You know, you get, you get to check into your hotel and the roaches scatter and, and all these things, you know, but you just see it as a challenge to overcome. You know, it's like you're better, you're better from it. And usually that happens afterwards. Like sure. you're going through to suck. There's, sure. no, there's no way around it sometimes. Well, I think that's, that's the purpose of, of the philosophy that we call fundamentalism. Yeah. And uh, so if, if you're new to the podcast, fundamentalism are the fundamentals or is the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So shortly put, um, you're having a bad day mm-hmm. and you want to gravitate towards something that gives you strength. What is it? What do you do for fun? Without the help of others, what do you do for fun? Yeah, I, I'm definitely big. I got I to gotta recharge my battery. Um, I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, and so I just spend some time. Uh, I love physical activity. I love it so much. And that's something I always try and, you know, people want to, you know, get in shape or do whatever. Find things you enjoy doing or learn to enjoy them. And so for me, it's just a lot of kind of nature and physical activity. I love running hill sprints. I just get that runner's high from it. Um, hiking, riding my bike, uh, things that are engaging my, my body and my mind. Like I still love going to the gym and doing MMA sparring. Um, all those things charge my battery back up. They constantly put fuel in my tank because most of the other things take it out of my tank, sure. you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, I need about two to one. I need about two, two Greg days for every one, the rest of the world day. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a perfect diagnosis and, and prescription rather for everybody. Right. Because I think that we get so mired in the stuff that's not working our organizations, yeah. culture, our, the leadership development plan, you know, the, we didn't hit our metrics or mm-hmm. heck we got a spouse that we're just not seeing eye to eye with, you know, sometimes you just, you got to recharge yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, you're an individual and I want to, I want to preface this just by giving a little bit of background. So you mentioned you're an MMA fighter mm-hmm. or, or once was, best that never was, best yeah. that never was. Uh, you are currently a firefighter uh, for the city of Manhattan, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about your humanitarian efforts, too, mm-hmm. because you have a, a little nonprofit or you're working on one yeah. and you're doing a lot of really cool stuff there. So all of those things are fundamentalism, brother. And one of the things that I noticed, we were driving to brunch. There's a lot of people out there that don't live deliberately mm-hmm. or, or aren't present, right? Even in conversation. And we're driving down the street and you say, look at those flowers, man. <laughs> Look at those flowers. They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then you went on to say, hey, if you ever got a neighbor that's out there and they got flowers, yeah. talk, them, talk to them about their, their, about their flowers because yeah. that's exactly what they want. You're going to give them an opportunity to be happy. Yeah. That's like you, man. That's man, fundamentalism. It's, uh, it's so amazing. Well, it's, it, it sounds like something maybe like uh, not new. It's not an original idea, but it's it, stop and smell the flowers. Sure. Like this, it's the oldest cliche there is, Yeah, you know? And it's like, that's this, this, that wisdom's still true. Yes. It's like people don't take into account. They don't think about what that means. You know, they almost might think too literal or that's too dumb. That's some old, and oh man, like you ever really stop and smell the flowers sometime, man? I'm like, breathe no, in that man, nature. for real though. Have you Dude. smelled them, man? <laughs> Dude, bees got it figured out. Like it's all they do. <laughs> so, well, what's interesting about you, yeah. Greg, so you mentioned that you're a, a, an MMA fighter and have been. Yeah. You were like, you're the toughest dude that I've ever met, uh-huh. but you're the biggest teddy bear ever. Yeah. Like, you're such a nice guy. So 
talk to us about your experience in getting into the fighting world. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and so, you know, the, the part about, I, I've never been in a fight outside of a cage ever. I've, I've you know, I haven't shied away from places I could have gotten in fight by any means. Um, but it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, you know? And so it's like, just because I know how to fight, that's probably what keeps me out of fight. Mm. Um, and I, I just don't see the need to do it unless I'm in, I'm in direct danger. Um, but, you know, where are we going with that? Something about just, getting into fighting. Just um, talking about how, and why specifically you chose yeah, oh, to get so, into fighting so, with so your to me, personality. It's, it's a sport. It's a sport. Yeah. It's not a fight. Some people are good at golf. Some are good at basketball. I'm good at fighting. It's the, it's the sport I play. Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an activity. Like you can't get into the martial arts side of it, this and that, and like it, get a little more into it. Um, but ultimately it's a sport, you know, it's like, I, you know, you know, I want to stop the offense from scoring another point. So I adjust my defense and, mm. you know, so on and so forth. It's a, it's, it's not a, 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 there's no emotion in it. Sure. Like when guys fight at a bar, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of whatever it is. When I do it, I get hit. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want that to happen again. How do I, <laughs> fix this you know right you're very uh kind of analytical and, and logical about it but you know yeah growing up i grew up on a, in a small town called harrington i grew up on a farm um wrestling was kind of a culture um, i had uh amazing parents um really pushed me into sport and just ingrained values into me about not quitting and stuff and they were very much um you know they were all about actions and not words they, you know, a lot of it wasn't advice they told me, but they did it every day, mm. sun up to sundown. They worked hard. They were kind to people every day. You know, they're they're tolerant. They're patient. Just all these things. They never told me to work hard. They never said, "Hey, you should be kind to people." They just did it. And I saw it and followed. Um, and, the, and you know, with the wrestling and and going through that, and then getting older, it was about the time MMA and UFC started kind of coming about um i was just took an interest in it you know and i just thought i can I'm looking at these guys and i think i think i could do that you know and uh and just yeah you know there's there's lots of little details in it but i just kind of started dipping my toes into it training a little bit realizing i was decent at it from the wrestling background and the uh the farm boy strength um and i i did find uh something inside myself uh that just didn't quit like something that just would grind and keep going and keep going that not a lot of people had. And I think that was, you know, the years and years of wrestling, of not wanting to go to tournaments, of, and I quit, man, a lot of times, like all myself in matches, you know, um, where I, I gave up a little uh, and I didn't like it. And then I'd come back stronger. I got broken so many times, time and time again. That's a big thing in the wrestling room is, is breaking the other guy. You know, they keep sending you, they shark tank you, they keep sending fresh wrestlers in after you until you quit, basically. It's like a broken bone, man. It heals back stronger. And and mine had been broken so many of the times. By the time I was 22 years old, there was nothing, nothing left anymore. Uh, that bone didn't even hardly exist. You know, it's like I just, I would just keep going. I would keep training, um, even if it was weightlifting. I competed in strongman for a while. And a lot of that is, uh, is just telling your body that, um, yeah, this hurts, uh, but like keep going, like override that that sense of pain, that quit, that burn, whatever it is, um, just to, just to keep going. And that, that would say was like one of my biggest assets. Like I'm a big guy naturally. My dad sure. was like, there's a, there's that side to it. Um, I've seen so many guys that go in man, they get hit one and they're just, they're just over it. Um, uh, when I first started training, I was sitting there 
watching some guys train and uh, for like an hour and they wouldn't even talk to me. It wasn't like a good business model at the time, really. <laughs> like they weren't like, oh, come sign you up. Can we interest you in 30 days free? Sure. Yeah, he's just he's like, what do you want? Oh my it was God. like the Abercrombie of Fitch model. Like you walk in and they're like, why are you at our store? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> just way more testosterone. <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, he's like, what do you want? I'm like, well, I want to do this. He's like, take your shoes off. You know, I was like, no shoes on the mat. And, and these guys beat the crap out of me. Uh, and I just kind of kept showing up and they never were nice to me. They wouldn't give me a single bit of advice, nothing. I just, I would just try and take them down and they would choke me and I'd take them down and they would choke me. And we, and this went on for, you know, like a couple of weeks. And, uh, and then we were sparring one day. I'd never, you know, I'd fought with my friends. I had a, you know, rough house and we grew up on Ninja Turtles and, and, uh, X-Men. We had a steady diet of, uh, action movies of Van Damme and Sloan and Schwarzenegger and all this stuff, you know? Uh, so we were, we were rambunctious. We fought and wrestled all the time and, You'd get in scraps and football, wrestling practice, whatever it is, just little stuff. Um, and so I'm in there, man. I, I just realized I didn't know how to stand to even punch. I never thought about it. And I just always thought I'd just start punching and work out. But when you're really standing there with somebody that knows how to punch and block, you feel helpless, man. Sure. It was like being, being thrown out in the ocean and not knowing how to swim. Right. And, and this dude was cracking me. It was scary. Like, he was kind of, he wasn't stopping. Like, right. You know, in, in a... And he hit me. He just blasted me one time. I kind of came forward. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to fight. Like, nobody's shown me anything yet. Like, I'm sorry. Like, whatever I did wrong. He's like, like, like you keep smiling. Like, every time I hit you, you smile. I'm like, well, I, just, I just don't know what else to do. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like I, I feel a little silly. I'm like, right. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. But that was, that was just my built-in reaction to deal with it. He's like, but keep doing it. He's like, that's terrifying. You know, he's like, never lose that. Yes. And I just, there's just something in there where it's just like embracing the fight, um, whatever it is, kind of the, the pain or something. Sure. And, and just going through it, you know, just like pushing through it. it feels good almost. Man. Um, you, you just had like two, three different metaphors that I'm sure people could relate to. Uh, before I get into them, mm-hmm. you, you talked a little bit about you're kind of a imposing gentleman. What's, dude, you are a physical specimen. What are you, six, six? That's uh, five. I have bad posture. Six five. <laughs> yeah, my feet, my arches are falling. Um, so you you fought at a heavyweight? Yeah, I fought heavyweight um, and light heavyweight, which is two hundred five. Okay, it's a hard weight cut. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I'm big. Like I said, I do strong man, and and so I, I don't I don't discount the gifts I was given. Sure. Um, my my mom is six foot three. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. And my my dad's like my size, and uh, played college football, and he was going to play pro football. Um, he got drafted into Vietnam. Uh, my sister's six foot tall and played college volleyball. There's mm. things. Sure. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's other you things. Are, I you can't. are blessed. You, yeah, you have some gifts. A... But you talked about your the culture created by your parents. Yeah. And specifically, they didn't tell you to be kind to others. They just demonstrated it. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of organizations and individuals right now are struggling with identifying how to create employee engagement or how to create a better life for themselves. And oftentimes we look at folks um, that aren't necessarily who we want to be in life. Uh, Maybe they're related to us. Maybe they're our friends, whatever it may be. And we use those individuals as excuses Mm -hmm. as why we can't be who we want to be. Right. But instead you could also see people and watch what they're doing and be keen observer about, the positives that they bring to the world and the negatives that they bring to the world. 
and just be deliberate and present, right? And create this culture. And that's what your parents did. They, yeah. they didn't have to teach you to be nice to others because they were constantly teaching you to be nice to others through their actions. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of leaders could probably relate to that. Lead from the front, man. Um, you know, in firefighting, you know, that, that's big. Uh, is, you know, being first one in, last one out, that whole thing. Uh, and that's, that's the best, best style. And then, you know, they have, you have to be stern too sure. um, at, the, at the same time. You know, but looking looking back on my parents, um, coaches, teachers, you know, it's just a great environment. And that's what I, that's why I try and why I give so much. I think is mm. I, I realize like I didn't do anything on my own. Sure. Um, one of my uh, favorite sayings is "All that I am, I owe. I'm forever in the red." You know, it's like you everything you are is other people. Mm. You're just kind of the, the culmination of you know. Sure. Uh, and it could have gone a different direction. You know, maybe I met the wrong people and it went off in that direction. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know the best best leaders, and you don't always have to be in a leadership position. Um, I work with some guys that have never promoted; they've stayed firefighters their whole career, thirty um, some years, and but they're just some of the the most enthusiastic people. That every day they're in there. There's this guy; he'd been in the fire department thirty six years. He was getting ready to retire. Uh, we had like a week left, and I came out to get a drink of water one night after I'd been laying in bed. And he was sitting out studying his maps of the city. Dude had a week left on the job, but he still cared enough to like make sure he knew the street in case we had a call to go on. Right. You know, it's one of those things. Some guys never, never study him again, you know, kind of thing. It was just amazing to see. Every day he was working out, he was just happy. Like it could be the worst job in the world. And then like he he never said like he could be, he could be, you know, scooping dog crap out of the yard. Right. Uh, with a smile on his face, and it'd be like, well, you know, this needs to get done because with, uh, you know, if our if the grass in front of the fire station looks bad, people will think we don't take care of things, and they'll think our trucks are probably uh, not taken care of also, and they'll think that when we show up, we're not trained professionals, and like, you kind of extrapolate Man, it out. Whether yeah. that's true or not, sure. it, it is to some degree. It's kind of like the, the broken window theory thing, you know, you clean up a neighborhood by first, uh, you know, fixing all the broken windows and then, you know, eventually crime goes away. It's kind of that, that same thing. It's like making your bed. Sure. Like it's all, it's all sort of, sort of same thing. Start your day and make your bed. It's like clean the dog crap out of the yard. Right. You know, it's like, cause that, the, you know, that's where that little snowball starts and it grows. Well, one thing that you, that you said, um, amongst many others, obviously, but one thing that really resonated with me is that word enthusiasm, because we had the opportunity to play a little bit of volleyball last night, <laughs> and uh, we were yucking it up like yeah. we do, like energy is infectious, yeah. and um, you'll, tell, you'll tell people, I'm not the greatest sports you know, player. Oh, I can't catch, throw, <laughs> uh, dribble, none of those things. Yes, but man, you could fight, I'm first an of ogre. all. I'm yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, you have this unrelenting enthusiasm about you. And yeah. so we're yucking it up. I'm, the, I'm on the sideline. My team, uh, we were on a break and you were playing and you and I are cracking jokes and everybody's going so serious. And we made the comment about how enthusiasm runs this game. And yeah. then all of a sudden you just see shoulders start to perk up <laughs> and people start to feel it. And they're yeah. starting to, now the other team's rooting for the other team. And like, it's just a good infectious spirit to be mm-hmm. around. So that enthusiasm word means the world to me. And, uh, being around folks like the gentleman that you speak of, mm-hmm. I think they, they could really help you in your life. Yeah. And so you talked about um, the adversity in the MMA world mm-hmm. and kind of the battles that you faced and it told you to never, ever give up. And I think that probably correlates a lot into 
uh, firefighting mm-hmm. as well. So I yeah. want to talk a little bit about your your firefighting experience. But before we move on, talk to me about your most memorable fight experience. Oh man, it, I mean they all like they're all like these little mini movies to me. You know? Yes, just, um, give us one. Oh man, uh, I'm trying to think of something something gone really bad. Uh, <laughs> Why you got to immediately I, I, go to the I'll, bad? I'll, I'll just go one of my favorites. One of my greatest greatest moments i've had i guess was uh, i got i got picked to be on this the heavyweight on team usa it was this team usa versus australia thing um this big fight show was gonna be on chicago it was on like clockport midwest or something yeah um and they they bring me in at the last second i just happen to be kind of ready you know and they, they fly me in and uh one of the coolest things that's ever happened is there's a guy standing with a sign with my name on it they spelt it right yes two g's <laughs> and greg you know vandy creek three separate words all capitals uh and i was like man i made it <laughs> i made it in life you know and uh get in we we go they they introduce me to the team they give me i have a uniform i have like a jumpsuit like a track suit thing and then uh, we we go to meet the australians and i'm fighting this guy he's like this like an islander he's like he's not really from australia he lived in australia it's from like like Tongan Samoan type type thing. This dude was terrifying. He was huge. Uh, he he didn't even come close to making weight. He weighed like three hundred pounds. The weight class two sixty five. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, and and somehow um, you know this is like the Wild West, and there's no boxing commission somehow, and like right. oh, this is gonna fly. And they're basically like kind of pressuring me. They're like, well, you're not gonna go home, are you? Like, we're gonna do not fight. We flew you here, kind of thing. I'm like, yes, you know. And I'm like, well, what's the deal with like this dude's weight? You like they kept. You know, the week beforehand, like, well, he's he's gonna have a hard time making weight. Well, he's he might not quite come in at two sixty five. Well, he might, you know. And they basically, what I come to find out is like the deal they had with him is he had to be under three hundred pounds. So he'd been cutting weight to get down to three hundred. Not a fat dude. Mm-hmm. He played professional rugby um, in Australia, which is a big deal. Uh, he kickboxed professionally. My height just built like a truck. Uh, you know, ponytail. His teeth were filed down into points. Guy was like a movie villain. You know, he had like crazy uh, tapped in tattoos, um, all this stuff. He, he kind of was a really nice, jolly fellow, actually. You know, it wasn't like he was like punking me or sure. anything, you know. So we, we kind of had some laughs beforehand and stuff. And uh, my parents took the train up. They, they came up to Chicago on Amtrak from Kansas. And uh, it was a good time. So they're there to support me. And, and I'm amped up. And uh, I kind of start to realize, you know, I was like, they brought me here to lose. You know, like for sure. Like that's what's happening. Like you can tell. <laughs> like <laughs> I know what they're thinking. Like right. I'm just I'm here to make this guy look good. Yes. You know? <laughs> this is the guy that's growing. He's gonna get the W. Right. Um and it pissed me off a little, you know. Sure. And uh so it's a pretty big show, and they brought in this guy, Mark Pullman. He's an Olympic gold medal wrestler. He was UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah. Uh Mark the Hammer Pullman. He's a legend. He was one of my sure. favorite guys. He was just wrestler. He just took guys down, pounded on him, like not a lot of finesse, you know. Um, he was a hammer and everything was a nail. Like, you know, it's just like whatever it was, you're just getting pounded. And I didn't have any coaches there with me. They wouldn't pay for a coach to come up with me or anything. And I didn't know them. I was like the only guy not really on the team. And uh so I'm like, hey Mark, can you like kind of come out and corner me? Like, dude, I would love that. He's he's super intense. And I'm like, my childhood legends get corner yes. me, you know, like come out and they sing the anthems, yada, yada, all this stuff. Anyways, fight starts and uh and we come out. And like where you kind of go to like slap glove and this dude is just cutting me off like from the cage in a way. Like I usually go out and own it. Like I dominate it, bowl forward, you know, I, I 
very aggressive. Uh, I used to always write, um, impose your will on like the backs of my glove, uh, like under the tape. And that was like a mantra my wrestling coach always had. Just impose your will, impose your will. Always like grab them, your match. Like I wanted that match to end from the handshake. I wanted them to shake my hand and knew they were in trouble. Yeah. Like before, I wanted them to look across the cage and give up. Like that's how I wanted it to be. It didn't happen. And, uh, <laughs> this guy had obviously not. He knew false. my. He knew my game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad acting. Um, and he cussed me off. And I remember backing up, backing up, and like cage was kind of small, and my back hits the cage. I'm like, nowhere to go. It's like it feels like I'm in a phone booth with this guy right, right. now. And uh, and he just unloads. It's like a combination. It felt like I was in a car wreck. I just felt my body slam back and forth, and uh, I didn't really know what happened. I knew I kind of brought my hands up to cover. I'm next thing I know, I'm staring at the backs of my hands on the mat. And I'm looking at them. I'm reading my gloves. My gloves say title, like title. Where MMA gloves? I'm staring at like a logo. It's like a Budweiser logo. I'm like Budweiser. Why are we here? Like <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I hear the crowd come back to life. Like. The yeah. noise comes back in the room. I'm like, I think you're still in an MMA fight right now. <laughs> like, you know, it's, you can't explain to somebody that's never been rocked how the brain like resets. Right. And it's like, what's going on? Like, guys are really confused. A lot of guys, they get knocked out cold. And they're like, I wasn't knocked out, you know? Right. You just don't remember. You have some amnesia. And I see this dude's giant Shrek feet <laughs> step right in front of me. I'm like, holy crap. You know, to me, to a wrestler, that's yes. just, oh, baby. It, it turns me on you know? <laughs> when I see squared up feet. You're yeah. going, you're going down. Yep. And I, I heel pick him, drop both his legs. I get on top of him, and I just unload yes. like just with a fury and uh, just pounded on him until they stopped the fight. Just really, just, just jacked him up like, and everybody's going nuts. And Mark Coleman's crawling over the top of the cage, and I'm crawling over him, hugging him, yes. screaming the hammer, and uh, and all this stuff. And then later, you know, after the fight. I'm talking to the, the guy and we're kind of piecing together the fight. And um, he's like, man, I've never hit anybody that hard and had him wake back up. He's like, I thought that that fight was done for sure. He's like, when I felt my fist connect with your temple, he's like, I was about to walk off. He's like, then you screwed it up when you woke back up. And I'm trying to put it together, like how it all happened. But so he punched through my hand. He broke my pinky finger, like caught me in the temple, like lumped it up. He was just so big and strong that, even my blocking, like correctly, um, didn't do the job. It was just a great moment. It was so much fun, and then that led to me um, going to Australia to coach all these guys in wrestling. Um, they're out, I don't know, like chasing kangaroos and stuff. They didn't have wrestling when they grew up like I did. So, uh, dude, I cannot. Out there, guys, if you could sit across the table from this gentleman and see him tell these stories. I mean, he's got a smile on his face this whole time. I got tears in my eyes because uh, I'm so entertained. So dude, I could ask you a million questions about MMA fighting. What were you, you, you know why this, this moment is so important to me, being on this podcast, everything, because it, it is my ultimate goal. And this, this sounds funny, but I remember as a freshman in college, I didn't like college. I didn't like school. I hadn't started fighting yet. I hadn't become a fireman yet. Didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, didn't really want to go back to the farm. And I was either watching TV or reading it or something. And there was just this thing that said, if somebody wrote a book about your life, would anybody want to read it? Mm. And I said no. And my whole goal has always been like, you know, write a book worth reading, yeah. you know, with my life. Like, just put yourself in these ridiculous adventures. Fun man. Like, because that's all it is at the end of the day, man. It's a, it's a story, you know. It's like, once it's gone and in the past, it's like, 
know, was it worth it? Was it a good story? Um, you know, kind of thing. It's like, I think there's, there's wisdom that comes from those sure. and, and, and growth by, by forcing yourself out of that comfort zone. But this like, to me is like the culmination of that. Here I am talking to you um, about these things and you find it interesting and, and you meet all sorts of interesting people. You, so it's, it, to me, it's success. It is, uh, dude, I'm telling you, you tell a phenomenal story and, uh, I would read your book. I'd watch the movie. It's going to be called uh, Gastrointestinal Issues Abroad. <laughs> I can't wait for the sequel. Oh, both the, a- yeah. the aftermath. So I-, I could sit here and talk to you for hours on end about uh, your MMA career, but uh, um, you've done some amazing things outside of the ring as well. So you're in a career... Uh, where you're basically a hero. I mean, you hit, you have the opportunity to be a hero every day, uh, and you never know when that call is gonna gonna come in. So, talk to us a little bit about how and why you chose firefighting as your uh, profession. Um, I always had a uh, a sense to serve. My dad, and my grandpa, um, were both drafted in the military and fought in World War II and Vietnam, respectively. I wanted to join the military. I um, kind of decided to wait and try college. Like I said, I wasn't really feeling college, and uh, I saw an ad in the newspaper for firefighter. I had never, I've never thought of that. Like, you can be a fireman, like, for a living. You know, I grew up in a small town. There wasn't a paid department. Um, and I went and, uh, and took the, the test and um, did really well in the written test. It's, it's just how my mind worked. Like, if this gear turns this way, which way does this one turn? Right. Um, simple, basic stuff. I've always been good at um, doing simple things fast and efficiently. You know, I'm not good at doing really complex things well, but like really quick multiplication and division just seeing is like my brain worked that way a little bit. So I'm like, Oh, it's something my brain works this way really well. It's not good at sitting down and writing paper. It's not good at uh, doing this project, you know, this long drawn out thing, but just boom on the fly pop quiz. I'm good to go. Sure. And then I did the physical agility test, which is, you know, dragging dummies around, um, you know, climbing up the, the tower, the ladder, moving heavy stuff, doing all these things. I loved, like, I just fell in love just the, the physical aspect of it. Um, you know, it was kind of a helping people job. Uh, and I saw the guys out there running the test, and I still remember them because, I, you know, I work with them now, is uh, they're out there laughing and joking with each other. Like, I've never seen grown men do. You know, I've never seen uh, guys that were, you know, what I would consider to be like a dad aide mm-hmm. having so much fun. Sure. Like acting like children, you know. And I was just, whoa, like, I really want to be a part of, you know, um, and I just went all in. I just never looked back. You know, I uh, went to EMT school as a volunteer fireman, worked part-time in EMS, got my, you know, full-time firefighting job sure. um, when I was about 19. And I, I love it. Uh, you know, never worked a day in my life kind of thing. So I feel the exact same way in what I do. And I think that's why, you know, we get along so well. And I had the opportunity to visit you in your uh, in your element. Yeah, I, I came yeah. to the, I had a speaking gig down in Manhattan, and you said, come by the shop. And so I came in, and you gave me the tour. Yeah. And from the moment that I walked in, seeing the sense of pride that you took in, in, in your place of business, yeah. right? And the cleanliness of the truck, and you know where you kept all of your stuff, your materials and all that stuff, and like the camaraderie. Like I, I went into the kitchen, and you guys were... Was that the Super Bowl? What was going on that night? No, there was. I think it was Super Bowl. So, something right, was going yeah, yeah. on. And so everybody was cooking. Yeah. And so each firefighter had their respective skill, mm-hmm. you know, their their favorite dish to cook. And it was it was awesome being in that environment. Mm-hmm. And uh I could see how it would be really cool just to hang out with one another yeah. like that. It's almost like a 
I was never in a frat, but I assumed that, you know, friendliness and just being around some yeah. of your closest friends and family for that time frame would be yeah. amazing. I think it is definitely that. And it's on a, like a, a very refined level where these aren't really random people, very like-minded people. Sure. Also, so it's it really like refined it down to, to finding your good friends for you. Um, and, and that's not always the case, but it's sort of like being, you know, if you're forced to be married to somebody, it's like, well, you kind of find a way to make it work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's guys that are different from you and stuff, but we all, you know, get along um, at the end of the day, and, you know, and things get serious occasionally, and we, we go through that together. And I think, I think part of that brings it, brings it closer um, is, is a group. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just, man, I, I just love it. It's just, it's just crazy to me that I just feel so lucky uh, to be able to do it, you know? Well, and you've leveraged that skill set and uh, the fact that you feel so, to use your term earlier, blessed to be able to do what you love and never work a day in your life. You use that in your humanitarian efforts, which I yeah. want to talk to you about. But before we get there, let's, uh, let's think about the craziest call you ever went on uh, as a firefighter, like just completely unexpected. Yeah. It was nuts. What was, what was the craziest call you ever got? Um, oh man, I've gotten to do some really, really cool stuff um, in, in my career. Like I've, I've checked a lot of the, the boxes of, of uh, kind of action movie sequences, you know, like close to, close to one. Really? Um, yeah. You know, and then, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. One, you know, one time, uh, I'm trying to think of something real. Yeah, I should have. I should have prepared this. A no, little this is good, bit. man. The first thing that comes to your yeah, mind yeah. is the most memorable experience that you went through. Um, man, there's you know, it's funny playing it back in my head right now because there's just snapshots. And I'm starting to remember things I I've kind of forgotten about. Sure. Uh, you know, but I've gotten to you know basically you know rope off on a, a rope around my waist to the truck and kind of like rappel off a of a cliff on a lake where some guys got smashed into the rocks on a boat. We're kind of getting beaten up by the waves. It's yeah. getting them. Here we come over the edge, you know, and get them. And, and you know, I, I've mentioned it kind of yesterday. It's like you get this like little bit of imposter syndrome of like, am I doing this? <laughs> Do I know what I'm doing? Like, right. And uh, am, I, am I the right guy, you know, to be doing this? And then you, you know, you start to realize you are. Like you've yes. prepared for this. You know, yes. like you're fine. Um, and just kind of realizing that in those moments, like people kind of looking to you uh, for the answer, sure know, um, to be to be a kind of a high speed problem solver, right? Um, it, it's really fun. You know what's uh, amazing to me about that? What you just said is, um, I have a lot of friends and family that I've been around my whole life, right? And I could be honest in saying a lot of them still to this day don't know what I do, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure it out right exactly, now. Exactly, <laughs> right? And so, um, and so sometimes that's hard because you want those closest to you to respect the value that you offer this world. Yeah. And, and they do in my, my personality and my fun-loving spirit mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I, I, I sometimes don't feel as though folks look at me as a professional, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I could probably say the same for our circle of friends. Like, we get together... And everybody sees you as this huge teddy bear and just a phenomenal human being. And, you know, you, you put so much of yourself out there to help others. And you're so funny. And you always got the watermelon in hand. And, <laughs> uh, and that's true. And yeah. uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, <laughs> but then you're just like you go to work and you're like people, they put you on this pedestal because you're a hero. Like you're saving their life. Man, and- people only knew what I was doing last night. You know, <laughs> exactly. like. If they could have only seen me 
you know, running around with my shirt off, playing volleyball, yes. uh, doing backflips from the, you know, just, just being a, a kid, uh, they'd be like, we'll, we'll take someone else. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have another fire truck you can send? Um, so, but let's talk about how you've leveraged uh, your firefighting skill set yeah. to kind of shape other people and countries and help yeah. like folks that you would have never found yourself in this situation to help. Yeah, I, I would so I would call this chapter of the book um, connecting what you have, what you have to offer with what the world needs, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of what I did. I had this this skill um, that's been cultivated over time of of firefighting and uh, emergency management or leadership and all these things. Um, and there's a bit of uh, of a feeling, you know, when I you know first went uh, first time I went to South America. A group of guys, all Canadians, um, is just something I wanted to do. I just had the bug. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, had a bad injury in my last MMA fight, which kind of um, I haven't fought since that, and it just slowed things down so much. I was just looking for that next, that next thing. I, I love traveling. I always wanted to do more of that. I'd always had the travel bug. Just it was hard uh, time, money, uh, just other things going on. You know, I traveled inside the U.S. a lot. You know, so instead of like taking a big trip abroad, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go. You know, to, in a bunch of different places in the U.S., which is, was great. You know, I don't, I don't regret it by any means. I hadn't been to a lot of other countries yet. Um, and I just, you know, I always, people always ask and they want to get involved. I'm like, I am just the most annoying person in the world how I get involved. Like, I will find you on the internet. I will stalk you. I will find the names of your pets and I will email you till you take my call. And, uh, and Are there people that don't want to take the call from Greg with two Gs? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, a little weirded out by um, crazy American guy. Uh, <laughs> send him some 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 pictures, you know, some some some, some headshots. I think you're confusing some, this with Tinder. This is some, not. Yeah, we're talking about traveling the world, helping that's others. That's the next thing. That's the that's the next uh, evolution. Is is like a match, like a Tinder matching, like passions with with needs. Swipe right, swipe left. Like I'm not into crocheting. But I do love baking. Yes. And there's kids, there's inner city kids that need baking. That's like a great idea. A million dollars. Somebody do it. You can have it. I don't want a penny. Just do it. Um, Always giving to others. <laughs> See? I'm just not technologically smart. I, <laughs> I procrastinate get, too yeah. much. <laughs> we got to we gotta connect you with yeah. the right people. Yeah, I got a whole box of Shark Tank ideas. Yeah. Trust me. Call me, Mark. Uh, <laughs> make me a millionaire so you're um, hanging out with these canadians yeah and i so i go all the way to canada and show up at this meeting in a bar and they're like who are you i'm like i'm the, I'm the guy hands they're like america <laughs> i'm like yeah like you came all the way up here for like a one hour meeting all the way to vancouver i'm like yeah i'm like i'm serious like i want to do this thing you know and like all right you're in and so next thing i know i'm uh going to panama um i meet a group of guys there i've never never met before um, and I'm teaching uh, pretty basic uh, firefighting skills um, in this small town, uh, a couple hours from Panama City. Uh, and I just, it was a blast. Like the guys I was there working with, uh, teaching with, the, the bond, the brotherhood we had um, with the firefighters there, and with all the Panamanians, um, with other people we met. It was just, just this great experience, right? Um, just the way I got to experience the realness of the country is just is intoxicating. You know, you're like, wow, this is how they, they live and act and their stories. And it, um, and it, it, it's not all uh, like fast paced 
glitz and glam, like, oh, let's go see the Panama Canal. Let's, oh, let's go see. Oh, you know, it's like, boom, boom. It's like, no, this is just stories. Raw. Just sitting and talking with yeah. a guy over a Balboa beer, you yes. know? Um, and just, and that's just such a, a great opportunity to have that way. And then uh, you get some guys uh, talk passionately about what they care about um, in their country, uh, what their problems are, why it's hard for them to be a fireman with family, you know, cause they, they don't make hardly any money there and their stations are falling apart and they don't have equipment and you know, they have kids and it's like, Oh wow. You know, this is going on right now somewhere in the world. Um, I'm not the only human being. Alive. Sure. Like I'm not, you know, and, uh, it's just this. Was that humbling to you? To oh man, that it still out? is. Yeah, it still <laughs> is. It's a big, it's a big slap in the face for sure. I thought, I totally thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> so Panama, uh, I know that you've been to Africa and times, do you've yeah. been all over the place. So, um, if, do you count how many countries you go to? You know, um, not entirely. I think, I think I've done six big trips, but I've, you know, I've been to several different countries within those and I'm pretty good at, uh, trying to get the maximum value for my trip and planning long layovers mm-hmm. in countries. This last time I went to Nepal, I had layovers in Dubai that I picked the the worst flight possible that had like a 24 hour layover in Dubai. So I could go, go see Dubai, but I didn't really travel or connect with anyone there. I got, I got to see some, some Lamborghinis and Ferraris drive down the street sure. and stuff, but uh, it was cool. But yeah, I, I like to, uh, you know, the big ones are ones where I kind of stayed somewhere, stayed put. Um, and really met some people. I get bounced around Europe kind of for fun on my own. I did do a little bit of of meet and greet with uh, we had a sister city in the Czech Republic where I met their fire department. And uh, it, I, I I need to uh, have purpose. Sure, I could sit on a beach and drink margaritas for two days, three if you were there. <laughs> <laughs> Only three. <laughs> yeah. After that, four. oh, you know what I mean. But I need I'm a I need to be kind of doing something yes. all the time, like not just sitting there you know doing whatever relaxing sure and i always tell people um that stuff is is harder than my job uh i go to those and i come back to work and it's vacation you know my I, I crave that routine and that discipline of the day of kind of a schedule like hey you know we do we show up at eight lunch at noon you wear this sure. you know it's, it's kind of nice because uh, there it's kind of you know uh, all better off uh, like you don't know what to expect well and that's a that's a good segue into um Probably my last question mm-hmm. of uh, this podcast, and disappointing because I want to talk to you forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we will continue off the air just yeah. so you guys know. And who knows? Maybe we'll toss around the idea of doing a mutual podcast on our own, Ooh. just on a whim. Um, but you've met, you've traveled all over the world. You got to do these crazy experiences. You go into these third world countries where they don't know what to expect and who the heck you are, and. Whether, what, you don't know whether they're going to embrace you or whatever it may be. What's the most memorable experience that happened to you in your travels? Let's just say this. A uh, non-sexual. If, non-sexual. <laughs> well, let's not say that. Let's say this instead. Um, if you want to have the best experience traveling, you better pack some extra underwear. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no. Um, man, uh you know, just there's just so many, just the people I've met. It's just been so surreal. Like sometimes I just, I just, I, I just want to. Uh, I, I wish I was better at kind of documenting it sure. myself a little better or telling. Because man, there are just there are um, people that make me look boring 
out there. The people have lived lives that are unbelievable, that are worth making movies about. You know, it's just, it's insane that the, what people go through. Um, and man, just, you know, Africa is, a, is, is I, I kind of describe it as being like tragically beautiful. Mm. Um, we were working in the Mathari slums, uh, which is in Nairobi. It's very, I mean, I'm not even going to try and speak to the numbers, but I know there's like more people in a few mile area than the city of Denver. It's kind of the shanties, the shack, um, you know, uh, air and water quality are bad. Uh, um, it's one of the most impoverished uh, places in the world, basically. Um, but seeing how happy and kind and welcoming and the hospitality of people um, that have have so little is oh man like it's just the best best thing ever you know if that doesn't um, move you you know I don't I don't know what would and just the, it doesn't force you to stop and smell the flower <laughs> yeah man <laughs> um, it does man sometimes like I just I just feel like like time slows down, you know, it's like, did that just happen? You know, kind of thing. Uh, and it is a little bit of, of, of seeing the person, you know, when you're, when you're kind of, um, meeting somebody or just walking by, you know, of kind of, of, uh, you look at them, it's, it's being like just high empathy kind of, and just seeing the battles they're fighting right then and smiling through it, mm-hmm. like getting punched in the face and smiling exactly. and moving forward, man. You see somebody sitting there and just, it, it's, uh, you know, not not doing well. You know, right. they're not doing well, and they give you the warmest, most genuine smile. They're not faking it. It's like they almost maybe they're looking at me, thinking, "Am I okay? Is he okay? He's walking around. He's looking kind of right. Kinda, kinda they don't kinda, know any different. Kind of sad. Yeah. Right. Is, is, that, is that guy okay? And I'm sure. kind of looking at you know them. It's uh, it's it's just it's amazing, amazing um, experience. And then to be able to uh, give something back to that like i i just hope that um you know me me throwing my little my little rock in the pond making ripples kind of kind of leads to something you know Dude, um besides, i think the little little moments of you know maybe one of them goes and and takes and they already have we've already you know, i've seen seen the impact of it um of just of making that help and make that change uh it, you know it's, it's it's a big world man Dude, um, and uh, from what I can tell you, personal experience, man, I admire the heck out of you. I, I know a lot of our friends do as well. And uh, when you come into the room, the room brightens up. And uh, if if you make that impact or you have that impact on us, and we know you and we're around you all the time, I could only imagine somebody that hasn't experienced that before, and uh, they get the opportunity to meet you, and you walk through uh, through fire safety for the first time ever, and you take the time to throw a rock in a pond yeah. and all that good stuff. I know that you meant that metaphorically, but nevertheless. <laughs> I love throwing rocks. Oh, man. Skipping them across. Ever, I know. Oh, that's a fundamental. It's like Highland Games. Hey, and for the record, uh, this is a challenge that I want to throw down to you, my friend, because you're doing all this greatness yeah. in the world. And I'm not asking you to document all the greatness that you're doing. But what I am asking you is to document some of your experiences because you're going to want to look back on them someday. Yeah. As will I. Take a journal. That's a great fundamentalism for you to just sit down and, and just maybe it's just one-liners for you mm-hmm. to remember what the heck happened in your day. 
But journals are crucial, yeah. crucial in creating experience and memorizing and remembering it for years to come. So I agree, man. Dude, uh, you're the best. Yeah. I cannot wait uh, to do this again. Yeah. Greg Vandercreek, everybody. I, um, if anybody wants to follow you or see you, I know that we don't currently have a website or anything up, yeah, do we? Yeah. But uh, I know that you post a lot of stories and videos with some of the kids that you uh, get to yeah, teach. Yeah. Where do we find that stuff at? Um, so I, I run the uh, social media accounts, Manhattan Fire Department, uh, Manhattan FD, um, that's Fire Department's Facebook and Twitter, and I have my own um, personal ones. I don't do a lot. I've really tried taking a step back from a lot of social media stuff and internet and sure. it kind of live more in, more in the moment a little bit, but uh, it's out there if you, if you look... Uh, my name or whatever there'll be there'll be stuff maybe we'll do more stuff with, yes. with this maybe this will drive it or some youtube videos or yeah. uh, just whatever yeah i think i think um there's value in telling those stories you know i used to think it was sort of uh um not that they didn't have there wasn't a reason to do it like am i am i showing these pictures for myself like to get likes or but then i realized no if i if i get these organizations out there and i show people like look it's fun and it's beautiful and and you should get involved too, you know. Um, that might help people want to jump into it sure. a little more and help out. So absolutely. Well, I, I'm an advocate, man. If there's anything I could do to help, and I'm sure our fundamentalism listeners would love to see more from you as well. This has been Fundamentalism, connecting the workplace and life through fun. Greg Van de Creek, everybody. I'm your host, Paul Long. If you want to learn more about fundamentalism, visit fundamentalism.com. Our featured fundamentalism this month is Let It Go. So if you got some grief, you got some anxiety, some old hurts that are weighing heavily on your shoulders, let it go. And if you need to learn a little bit more about how, visit our website, fundamentalism.com. Thank you very much for tuning in and have a great day. 